yesterday saw that we have here Bilam, who is the prophet of the non-Jews, that as Rashi told us, God gave the non-Jews as prophet, so they wouldn't say, well, if we had prophets, we would be better. Actually, this prophet reached the barriers of morality that the non-Jews have been following since the Great Flood. So Bilam was requested by Balak to come and curse the Jews. Because Balak, as we said, was appointed king at this time over Moab, and he realized that he needed some special force. He consulted with Midian, who knew Moshe, who knew Moses, and they said his powers in his mouth. He said, okay, I need someone whose powers in their mouth. Because both he saw how they had devastated the whole kingdom of Amori, and he saw how great were their numbers. So putting the two together, he knew Moab was doomed. Of course, he was completely wrong, and the Jews had no intention of starting off with Moab at all. But he didn't know that. So he went and said, how do I defeat this nation? How do I make sure they don't destroy us like they destroyed the Amorim? Let's go and get this great prophet who is so good at cursing others to curse the Jews. And I know that Bilaam is really good at it because he's done it in the past. And he did it actually for Sihon. And he actually cursed Moab and it worked. So I know he can do it and he'll curse the Jews and that's how we will get rid of them. And the messengers had come to Bilaam and Bilaam thought it was a great idea because he actually hated the Jews even more than Balak. Balak just didn't want his kingdom destroyed. Bilaam truly hated them and truly wanted to do whatever he could to destroy them. And God said no. So, continuing what happened, we're up to verse 13 in the first chapter here, chapter 22. Bilam arose in the morning and said to Balak's dignitaries, go back to your land because God refuses to allow me to go with you. So, Bilam just said, God does not allow me to go. But he said, with you to imply, well, the problem is you're not good enough. You're not regal enough and royal enough and important enough that someone like me, a messenger of God, should go. But if you send someone better, I could probably go. And why did he say this? Because he didn't want to say the truth. that of course, he was under God's control. And God said no. But Bullock understood what was implied in his message. And therefore... As continues the next verse, Moab's dignitaries got up and came to Balak and said, Bilaam refuses to go with us. Balak persisted and sent dignitaries in greater number and of higher rank than these because Balak understood that Bilaam said the problem is you are not great enough. They came to Bilaam and said to him, the following is a message from Balak, the son of Sipor. Please not refuse to come to me. I will honor you greatly. Whatever you tell me I will do if you would just please come and curse this people for me meaning I'm going to give you much greater honor, Rashi explains, than whatever he had enjoyed in the past. Obviously, you have been honored in the past, but I'm going to give you far more. Bilaam answered and said to Balak's servant, even if Balak will give me silver and gold enough to fill his house, I cannot transgress the word of God my God. Now, why did he say silver and gold not to fill his house? Because that's really what he wanted. He was incredibly greedy. And he wanted everyone's money. And he thought I, he should give me all his silver and gold. Because if I don't come, he's going to have to spend lots of money hiring tremendous armies to defeat the Jews. And who knows if he'll be successful. Hey, if he hires me, a one-stop shop here, 
I'll for sure destroy the Jews. So it's, it's a money savings. He should give me a lot for this. But even if he would give me what I deserve and want, all this gold and silver, I still cannot transgress the word of God. So he was sort of forced to acknowledge that he wasn't a free agent. He had to listen to God. And also there's an illusion here by saying the word of God. The word of God is also, Rashi says, a reference to the blessings that our patriarchs received by the word of God. So he's saying in this type of prophecy that even if you take me, even if I'm coming... I can't nullify the blessing that the patriarchs are already blessed by the word of God. Now, you also, please remain here overnight, and we'll get to know what more will God tell me. And as we learned before, that God only comes at night. That's why they had to stay overnight. So he says, you also. Now, why also? The Rashi says his mouth is saying the truth that he didn't mean. But just like the first one's left with frustration, it's also going to happen to you. It's going to be a longer journey because I'm going to go with you, but in the end, you're going to be as frustrated and probably more. What is God going to tell me? I don't know what God's going to tell me. He's not going to let my words switch from a blessing to a curse. I hope he doesn't have more blessings because that's actually what happened, of course. This is also a prophecy, but in the end, through Bilam, more blessings were added to the Jewish people the evil became transformed from an evil energy to a level of blessing. God appeared to Bill that night and said to him, If men have come to call you, arise and go with them. However, whatever I will say to you, you will do. So, Raj explains that when God said, if men have come to call you, meaning if this invitation is for you and you expect remuneration, you, you want to benefit from this, go! Now you want to go, go, I'm not going to hold you back. But in spite of you, whatever I want to say, that's what you're going to do. So then you could question, so why did Bilaam go? Obviously, God does not want to curse the Jews. God would only want to bless the Jews. So why is Bilaam going when God is saying, I'm warning you. I'm only going to let you do what I want. I'm only going to say what I want. Because this is, this is how evil behaves. He's thinking, ah, perhaps I can convince him to agree. Perhaps I'll work around him. Perhaps I'll find a way of smuggling curses he won't even realize. Now, why did God at all let him? Because we say that the way a man wants to go, God allows you to go. So if Bilaam wants to go this road of evil, of destruction, God's going to let him. doesn't mean he's going to hurt the Jews, but God will let Bilaam walk his road. Bilaam arose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the officers of Moab. Tarashi comments that we see how hatred disrupts the correct order of things. In other words, people are deviating from the normal behavior when acting out of hatred because here, Bilaam, who obviously had servants and obviously a servant would have saddled his donkey, but he was so eager to destroy the Jews that he saddled it himself. On a deeper level, the saddling of his donkey was supposed to imply uh, a, a complaint against the Jews or a prosecution of the Jews for negative things they had done, which we implied by saddling the donkey. And God responds, you know, don't start up. Abraham already preceded you. Because Abraham, the forefathers of the Jews, he saddled his own donkey also to go do my will. 
and these people, of course, all descendants of Abraham, and obviously they possess all of his great qualities, so whatever you're trying to imply is irrelevant. He went with the officers of Moab. Well, that's pretty obvious. The reason it's written is to imply they were all equally of the same frame. They all were full of hatred of the Jews. They were all desiring of the Jews being cursed here. Not as, well, Moab hired him and he's doing a job. Yes, he's going to get paid for doing something he really wants to do. So God got very angry that he's going and an angel of God stands on the road as an impediment to him. He was riding on his donkey, and his two young men were with him. So God is mad that he's going because Pilum sees that God does not want this to happen, and he's going anyway. So he, this angel stands as an impediment to him, meaning this was an angel of mercy. And he wanted to prevent Bilaam from sinning because he obviously saw that if he continues this road and sins, he will in the end perish, as he did. So we have the two men with him, which shows us the concept that we've seen before in the Chumash, that if a person's important, when he's on a journey, he doesn't go alone, and he doesn't go with one person to accompany him, he goes with two. And the donkey saw the angel of God standing on the road with his sword drawn in his hand. So the donkey turned away from the road and went into the field. And Bilaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. So what's happening here is there's this angel coming to stop them. An angel of mercy, but coming on a, a mission, which the angel doesn't seem very merciful, seems actually quite an uh, angel of vengeance, but really it was compelled by this mercy, I can stop you now, prevent you from the harm you'll have if you follow your desires. And Bilam doesn't see the donkey, but that doesn't see the angel. But the donkey does, so she's turning to stop, you know, not to go towards this angel who, with his sword drawn, was there to prevent him. So Rashi explains that the reason why the donkey sees and Bilam doesn't is because God gives permission to animals to see more than man can, because since the man has greater intelligence, if he would see it, he'd go crazy. In other words, if, if Bilaam had seen this angel standing there with a sword drawn in his hand, he would have been terrified and crazed. Donkey is an animal, so he's not progressing it. She, it's actually she donkey. She's not processing it the same way. It's more, okay, well, we want to turn because we don't want to get hurt by that man with a sword. Now, why is the sword in the hand of the angel? Because the angel is saying, this evil person, Bilaam, put aside the craft of the nation, which is a sword, and instead he's taking the craft of the Jews, his mouth. So I am going to take the craft which he abandoned, which is really his, the sword, and I'm going to come to him with his own craft. And that's why I'm going to stop him with the sword. And we actually see this is what happened in the end, because Bilaam got killed by the, a battle that happened later as a result of everything that happened, as we're going to see over the course of events, everything that transpired, ultimately, 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 in the end, there was a battle, and Bilaam got slain in the battle. So here's Bilaam, who's dropping craft of the non-Jews, the sword, to start off with the Jews with their own craft, the mouth. So in the end, he's going to get his from his craft that he abandoned, the sword. That's why the angel was holding that sword. 
The angel of God stood in the footpath of the vineyards, a fence on this side and a fence on that side. So this footpath means, well, Rosh explains Mish'ol as Unklus is a path. That like you walk with the feet through a path. A fence on either side, which since the verse doesn't explain what type of fence, it is a fence of stones. So the donkey sees the angel of God and she pressed against the wall. And she pressed Bilaam's leg against the wall and he continues to strike her. So here, the donkey sees, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, you know, now it's getting worse. We've got a fence on both sides and we have this angel here and we've got to stop. So she's pressing against the wall to not continue because she doesn't want to run into this angel with a sword. And she's pressing Bilaam's leg and he's hitting her and he has no clue what's going on. So she's pressing herself against the wall and she's pressing Bilaam's leg against the wall. Bill, of course, is furious and doesn't understand what's going on. Now we're going to come to a third time that the angels are going to appear to Bill. The angel of God continued to pass ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn right or left. So here, the donkey couldn't go anywhere. There was just right in front of them was this angel. And um, the Midrash explains on this that the angel came in three places. This is, of course, our third place. And we've seen this angel to symbolize the idea of the three patriarchs. In other words, that this is uh, the merit of the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would stand up for the Jewish people and therefore, you know, Bilaam should watch out. And each of these places, it wasn't just randomly three places, the three patriarchs, but actually each place has a very strong connection to one of the three forefathers. Just to explain that, one of the ways of understanding this, as the Midrash explains, um, that um, the first time the angel appears, there was room for Bilaam and his donkey to move on either side. The angel was just there, but it wasn't that so the donkey got scared, but it wasn't that they couldn't move. In other words, to show their two sides on which the curse directed Abraham could fall. It could fall on the side of Ishmael or on the side of the sons of Keturah, but not on, of course, Isaac, the Jewish people. Second time, it was a path with a wall on either side which means broad enough for two to pass through. So you have Zulam, and you have his donkey, so there's room for only one more. And that one more represents Isaac, who left room for the curse to fall on the other side, so to speak, which is, of course, the side of Asa. Now, this final time the donkey is coming, the angel is coming, there's no room. Only one person could pass. There's no space. Because this represents Jacob, who all of his descendants are righteous. So therefore, there's, so to speak, no room for any curse to take effect because there's no one we're going to let that curse fall on here at this point. So what happens at this point? Again, remember, Bilaam doesn't see. The donkey sees. So the donkey saw the angel of God and crouched beneath Bilaam. In other words, she's not moving. There's no way to avoid this, this, this angel with the sword. She's just not moving. Bilaam's anger flared and 
struck the donkey with a staff. Now God makes an amazing miracle here, a spectacular miracle for the purpose of this point. God opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Bilam, what have I done to you? They have struck me these three times. Now, when she said that, of course, this is a donkey talking. This is also obviously a tremendous miracle from God, so there's a lot of levels of implication here. So she said, the donkey actually talking as, as a human, intelligible words, that Shalosh Regolim, three times, the Regolim are implying the three holidays that we call Shalosh Regolim is the term we use for the holidays of, we have Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. So she's implying to him, you're trying to uproot a nation that celebrates these three holidays. It's not going to work. So Bilam, instead of going crazy that his donkey is talking, just sort of took it as, okay, par for the course, and said, Bilam said to the she-donkey, because you've mocked me. If there was a sword in my hand, I would have killed you. So mock me, meaning you've, you've disgraced me. Like here, I keep trying to move, and you keep stopping me. And he all these crazy things are happening because, again, he just sees it as a series of crazy events because he doesn't see the angel that she sees. Then he says, if there was a sword in my hand, it would kill you, which was actually a very big embarrassment to him. And I remember, he's not alone. There are these other officers, and they're also wondering what craziness is going on between him and his donkey. And then the donkey starts talking. But then he said to the donkey, he needs a sword to kill the donkey. Here he's going to kill out an entire nation of the Jewish people with his mouth. But he can't even do anything with a donkey if he didn't have a, a, a weapon. The donkey said to Bill, am I not your donkey that you've ridden upon me from your inception until this day? Have I been accustomed to do such a thing to you? And he said, no. Meaning, this idea of a custom, like used to doing something, learn to do something. So, Actually, what she's saying here is actually exposing a series of lies he had said before because when the officers saw him with a donkey, they're like, wait, you know, you're riding on a donkey? Like, why aren't you riding on a horse? And he was like, oh, yeah, my horse is out in the meadows to graze. I'm just going to take my donkey. Really, he didn't have a horse. Really, he had a donkey. So this whole conversation is actually embarrassing him further. Then God, and, and many more details along those lines. Then God uncovered Bilaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of God standing on the room with his sword drawn in his hand. He bowed his head and prostrated himself on his face. Now suddenly, God is allowing him to see this angel, and oh, now it makes sense. Everything that's going on here, this craziness with his donkey is really, because there was an angel with a sword blocking them. The angel of God said to him, for what reason did you strike your donkey these three times? Behold, I went out as an impediment, for he hastened on the road against me. And what does it mean, for he hastened on the road against me? So the word here is yarat. And yarat, our sages explain, is shorthand, shorthand for three Hebrew words. It's an acronym formed from the word yara, she feared, rasa, she saw, and natsa, she turned away. Meaning the donkey saw the angel. She feared it, and she therefore turned away from it. In other words, since you were doing this, you were going on this road that was against God, there was this angel sent to stop you, an angel of compassion, but one with 
strength and judgment against you. And therefore, that's why the donkey did what she did. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. Had she not turned away from me, I would now even have killed you and let her live. So in other words, the fact that this donkey was turning away was only to help you, as it did, because it saved your life. And here you were, uh, you know, you're attacking her for actually protecting you. Otherwise, I would have killed you, if not. Now, the fact that the angel says I would have killed you and let her live implies but now I've got to kill her. Meaning, because the donkey spoke and rebuked you and you couldn't answer her rebuke, so therefore, the donkey has to be killed so people shouldn't, so so Bilaam shouldn't be embarrassed for the rest of his life. And people say, say, oh, this is the donkey that opened up her mouth and Bilaam had nothing to respond. You know, this human being was rebuked by the donkey and, and, and couldn't defend himself, which we see here how much God is taking pity on, on a person's dignity. Here's Bilaam who was behaving very poorly and still God has compassion for his dignity. Bilaam said to the angel of God, I've sinned, for I did not know that you were standing off to me on the road, and now, it is evil in your eyes, I shall return. With here we have another embarrassment of Bilaam that he has to admit that, you know, here he's claiming, oh, he knows everything, and here he couldn't even see the angel on the road, which, remember, even the donkey saw. And then he says, oh, you know, if it's evil in your eyes, I shall return. That sounds like he's being really sweet and nice here. But actually, Ronke explains that, no, he was being pretty hostile here. Because what he, his implication is, listen, God told me I could go. And you, angel, are coming and nullifying his words, and God, God behaves like this. You know, God says one thing, then he takes it back with the angel, like God said to Abraham, to offer Isaac, and then the angel nullified it. So, okay, you know, hey, God's playing these games, you know, it's evil in your eyes, the eyes of the angel, fine, you can nullify what God said. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm used to this stick. I'm used to these games, so to speak. The angel of God said to Bilaam, go with the men. The only word that I shall speak to you, that shall you speak. So Bilaam went with the officers of Bilaam. So the angel, you know, speaking for God, is saying, no, you could go. Now, why in the world is the angel letting him go here? Because the point is that the path a person wants to go, God lets him walk that road. In other words, the angel was coming as an angel of compassion to warn him, to stop him, that if he was truly a better person at this point, he would on his own, like, say, okay, forget, I'm not going this road. You know, I'm not starting off with angels with swords. That has to be a very high-level person, but enough to realize God's telling you what I'm doing is really wrong. But that wasn't what Bill was holding. Bill was like, okay, God, you want to play games with me? You tell me I could go. And the angel says, I can. Fine, fine, I'll play those games. Oh, you're acting that way? Fine. No, no problem. You want to go, go. You want to burn, burn. You want to mess yourself up, mess yourself up. I'm, I'm trying to warn you so you should realize on your own to stop. But if you don't, we'll let you walk this road, but it's a very dangerous road. You could go with these people because your portion will be just like them. In the end, 
both of you will completely perish from the world. But only, even against your will, would I allow you to speak. That's what you're going to speak, which, as we're going to see in the portion, creates tremendous frustration here and upsetness with Balak, who hired Bilam to curse the Jews. But, of course, God's not letting. Then he goes with the officers of Balak. And, again, he's with the officers because he is just like them. They're both in the same space of, oh, we are so happy because we are going now to curse the Jews, and that is what they both, everyone here wants is just to be able to curse the Jews, so they all are in the exact same headspace, which of course was the message we saw before, and now it's being reinforced even after this whole incident with the angel and the donkey, it did not change Bilaam's mind, he and the officers are equally joyous, we're going to curse the Jews. Balak heard that Bilaam had come, so he went out toward him, the city of Maya, which is on the border of Arnon, which is at the edge of the border. So how did he hear? Bilaam sent messengers to inform him. So he comes to the city of Moab, to its metropolis, to the main city, as if to say to Bilaam, look, this is what the Jews want to uproot, because again, this whole incident is coming because the Moabites have this sense that we're next. The Jews destroyed the countries of Sichon and of Og. So obviously we're weaker than the two of them. They conquered Sichon, they conquered Og. They're going to conquer us. They're going to destroy us. Now that totally wasn't the plan and never happened because God told the Jews not to start off with Moab. But this was Moab's perception which led to this whole incident here. Well, it's such a bill of Janet urgently sent you to summon you. Why did you not go to me? Am I indeed not capable of honoring you? So this idea of saying, am I indeed not capable of honoring you, is like unwittingly prophesizing that in the end, uh, Balak will not honor Bilaam, and actually Bilaam is going to leave him in a lot of humiliation, which of course happened, as we'll see in this portion. Bilaam said to Balak, Behold, I have come to you now, Will I be able to say anything? Whatever word God's put in my mouth, that shall I speak. So now he is repeating the injunction that God gave him already twice before he left and after the whole traumatic incident with the angel and the donkey. So Bilaam really gets this point. The only thing I'm able to say is what God wants. You want me to curse the Jews. I want even more than you for me to curse the Jews. But if God doesn't let, I'm not going to be able to do it. And obviously, God did not let. 